In this episode, producers Taha Hashmani and Katia Galati help us understand how the removal of outdoor encampments is affecting the homelessness crisis in the city by speaking to the people most impacted by it. My name is FOM Fojo and this is Unraveled. Do you remember your first day setting up a tent in Allen Gardens? Yeah, I remember. Um, I was sitting on a bench and somebody walked over to me and started talking to me and I just started crying. And told, started telling her my story and she went and got me a tent. My first night I had opened up the tent at 4.11 in the morning and there were three raccoons right there. <laughs> it didn't scare me. <laughs> I was happy to see them. It's like wildlife. I love wildlife. But, um, yeah, since then I've had a few rounds. Toronto City Council first removed outdoor encampments at public parks on June 22, 2021. This decision was met with widespread resentment as many felt that the city's most vulnerable population was being dealt the short end of the stick. Calling these encampments illegal and unsafe, the city has promised to house encampment residents in temporary shelters and transitional housing units instead. Here's John Tory at a press conference a day after the encampments were removed. The bottom line is we've made no secret of the fact that we don't think these encampments are safe, we don't think they're healthy, and of course in the vast majority of cases they're not legal uh, on public uh, property. Protests against the city's decision occurred this summer and were met with what many called unwarranted police aggression. The city's plans for its unhoused population comes at a time when the system is close to being overrun. On average, shelters across the city are at 90% capacity, a rate that is bound to increase in the coming months. It's these concerns that leave many wondering, is the City of Toronto prepared to address the problems plaguing its system? In this episode, we'll be speaking to two encampment residents, Lynn and Phil, as well as other individuals involved in managing the homeless crisis. I'm Talha Hushmani. And I'm Katy Gladi. You're listening to The Unhoused and the Unprepared. Yep, my name is Ryan Evershed. I'm the manager of community engagement and client programming with Homes First. Realizing the need for additional shelter space for residents, the city commissioned the creation of temporary shelters like 45 The Esplanade, the releases offered to nonprofits like Homes First Society. So the city, like for some of the temporary hotel programs, yeah, we're just the service providers. The cities are the ones dealing with the leases and with the owners, but Homes First also owns and operates our own uh programs as well. So uh, we have housing locations, we have 13 housing locations that we own and operate and permanent shelters that we own and operate as well. You know, as a response to the pandemic, the city was opening uh, many temporary shelters because of the reduced capacity at some of our permanent shelters. Uh, And then the hotels became an option. Um, We were operating two other hotels at the time 
before uh, the Esplanade. And uh, as the, the need uh, and the encampments started to increase uh, in the downtown core, the city knew that it was really important to activate uh, hotels that specifically um, house and support individuals living in encampments in the downtown area. So uh, in February is when we took over, uh, February 2021, and we started operating uh, the program. It was a very, very quick onboarding process. Um, you know, a lot quicker than anybody would have liked it to be, but we jumped right into it and have been going strong ever since. And it really reached capacity pretty quick. Um, yeah, I guess the role of the S or the not just the Esplanade, but just temporary hotels in general was to house those who were evicted from encampments, correct? Yes, so it's it's meant to house uh, anybody in encampments who needs the uh, who needs housing. But yeah, part of that eviction process with the city um, was referring folks to to the Esplanade program and to other hotel programs uh, in the city. So fast forward to now, is that still the case? Are you guys still receiving people from encampments, or did you kind of open your doors to anyone else experiencing homelessness in the city? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we're pretty close to capacity, I believe all of our intakes are coordinated through streets to homes, which is through the city of Toronto. And it's still specifically for individuals who are in encampments uh, in the city. So it's not really, um, it's not open to, to anyone else outside of that demographic at the moment. Temporary shelters like the Esplanade have given residents a place to stay and an opportunity to stay safe. But not many people have been receptive to the opening of such shelters in their neighborhoods. Those in the immediate area around such shelters as the Esplanade have raised concerns about unsafe, unsanitary, and dangerous conditions brought on by the city's decision to find temporary shelter for the unhoused. It is a huge, huge priority of ours is building that sense of community externally and, and bridging those gaps and addressing the concerns of our neighbors. We really take uh, pride in being good neighbors, being transparent, responding to concerns. Uh, and that's an ongoing job and a big part of what I do. Uh, Homes First uh, works with One Community Solutions who are a community safety team members. So they're the folks that work 24 seven in the uh, yellow vests. And uh, we work closely with them to address those concerns, to clean up paraphernalia, to de-escalate situations, to in get it intervene during crisis and stuff like that. We also have security, corporate security, and star security is what they're called, who work uh, on site 24-7 to help us support us internally and doing a little bit of within the immediate property outside as well. And we have regular check-ins with community members on a weekly basis where they bring up their concerns. We have our security teams there. We address them. Uh, we come up with answers and updates to kind of uh, uh, address any of these situations that are happening. Um, and so, you know, it's, you know, it does, it is an ongoing concern and it, uh, you know, I, we've definitely gotten some pushback from the community, but I think the response that we've been providing and that the city has been providing um, is really going above and beyond to kind of address these concerns. Encampments still exist and people are still being served eviction notices. But Ryan doesn't know what the city is planning to do with its homeless population. He also doesn't know when his lease for the temporary shelter will be up. Now, if we're speaking on technicalities, the Esplanade was supposed to be closed by this December, but got renewed until April 2022. My name's Lynn, and I live 
live in Allen Gardens, 777 Allen Gardens Park. And what led you to set up a tent in Allen Gardens? Um, I'm getting evicted from my apartment because they want to raise the rent. So after being evicted from your apartment, what, what happened after that? Where did you go? In January, I went to my, my nieces. We were actually coming here to give care kits out, hygiene kits, to the people, to the homeless people around here. And when I got back to her place, I helped her daughter go home from there with her two kids. And I end up staying there. Uh, she went out and I end up staying watching the kids gonna spend the night. And the tension of going back there, I couldn't go back. So you were couch surfing for a while, right? Like you're going from house to house, kind of just? Yeah, house to house to house to house. So how, how was uh, couch surfing? Like what was that experience like? Um, it's tough because don't put this there. Don't put that there, you know? don't do this and don't do that. I don't like being controlled. I can't stand it. Yeah. And I remember you saying something similar about the uh, shelter system too. You stayed in there for a while as well? That was 1991. I stayed in uh, Red Door and I stayed in a Waffle House which is right down Pembroke Street. Uh, I stayed there with, I had two babies and I was pregnant with the third, which I didn't know about. But I stayed there and they're taught to be cold, treat you cold, hearted. And it's to live in a place like that, plus you got bed bugs, you got people stealing from you, and it's not easy. <laughs> While speaking to Lynn, we met Phil, another resident at Allen Gardens. And after chatting with him for a bit about his experiences with homelessness, we decided to go for a walk to one of the shelters he used to live in. Where are we right now? We are on George Street and Gerard. Mm -hmm. And where are we heading to? Okay, so we're heading towards um, a Seton House and uh, uh, it's across the road from Allen Gardens. Yes, so what is Seton House? Seton House is a, a shelter for men. It's one of the most tough shelters uh, around. Um, I mean, I spent three months there, and I uh, there's fights quite often, uh, uh, and these the uh, the guards there are are <laughs> like a prison almost, uh, the big strong guys, so it has to be in, in that situation, uh, and uh, I I was really lucky just to avoid as uh, getting into real problems. I mean, how's life in the encampment right now? It's wonderful. I mean, everybody's nice. Uh, there's no heavy, uh, well, there's one guy who has problems with addiction. Uh, that, um, but the other, two of them have it under control, uh, which means rarely used, or if they're, if they're using, it's private and whatever. And then there's uh, three or four others that, four others that don't use it all. And uh, they're, you know, they're in good spirits and they, you know, there's no troubles. In fact, there's no trouble between any, any anybody, you know. Um, people may find it annoying sometimes, but uh, with the banging, some people have psychological issues um, and they're talking to themselves and they have, you know, uh, there's some schizophrenia, but people are generally patient. Mm -hmm. So the shelter sister system and the encampment. Pardon? Which, the shelter system and the encampment. Which one do you prefer? 
Well, I prefer the campment actually. <laughs> now, uh, I know the After speaking to Phil, we decided to talk to Mike Burnett, a community outreach and education specialist from Youth Without Shelter, about the current state of homeless shelters across the city and what the future may look like for those looking for a place to stay. So right now, uh, youth across Toronto are the largest demographic other than uh, the elderly right now. So the elderly are making up about 15% of the overall uh, homeless population in Toronto, where youth are making up about 12% of the overall homeless population in Toronto. Right now, there are... There's about nine new shelter beds across Toronto, which everybody has had to reduce their numbers. The great thing is there has been a lot of these uh, COVID response shelters that have opened up in the meantime, and a lot of them have filled a lot of the gaps of youth homelessness. Now, on the most recent uh, street needs assessment count done in April of this year, there was about 884 different homeless youth that were counted that night. Uh, however, there is those that are hidden homeless as well. So they believe that there is an upwards of a thousand young people plus that are homeless every young evening. So, I mean, there's not even enough of you shelter beds that are available for a lot of these young people. So is it a growing problem? Even if we expand the question to fit every homeless demographic, Toronto still doesn't have enough beds to fit the visibly unhoused, let alone the hidden homeless population. Now, according to Fact Check Toronto, there are almost 8,000 people actively experiencing homelessness in the city. Meanwhile, the shelter system only has space for about 6,000 beds, or at least according to an email sent to us by the City of Toronto. This means that there are around 1,500 people who don't have housing and can't access an indoor space. Yet, this statistic is likely an understatement. There are still hundreds of people that account for Toronto's hidden homelessness who are harder to quantify yet still need a place to stay. And homelessness in general is an issue. And I really think that we'd be able to focus on family homelessness, adult homelessness, youth homelessness. We need to be able to put our resources and conversation really towards homelessness. Um, everybody kind of understands, like, yes, this is a large issue, but where are we going to put the shelters? I mean, a lot of people don't want these places in their own backyards. You know, put them anywhere else, put them in an industrial area because it's still, they're still other, they're still not human beings. Where we really got to change kind of the conversation, the mindset of people to humanize homelessness. This could happen to anybody. The reality is, is that we are at about 97% occupancy on an annual basis, which essentially means that like, when I have a bed open, it gets filled pretty quickly. Um, there's most days that we don't have beds available, and that's happening with a lot of these shelters across the GTA. Uh, a big thing with us, though, is that if a young person does call us or show up at our door with our services, they're not leaving our doors until we do find a safe place to go that evening. And just about the issue of bed spaces and the whole at capacity situation, not just for YWS, but other homeless shelters across Toronto. What's the best way that these shelters can sort of address this? Should there be more beds? Should there be additional temporary shelters? We do need more shelters. Don't get me wrong. Like uh, That is a, a short-term solution, but that is not a long-term solution. The long-term solution is we really need to look at this from a preventative lens. We're not so much of a reactive lens where, you know, oh my goodness, there's this issue. We have to throw some money at it to be able to fix it. 
what's causing this issue. Let's see if we can end homelessness early and have early intervention. Let's start working with school boards. Let's start working with doctors' clinics. Let's start working more as a team rather than just, you know, shelters taking it on themselves. But not all homeless people appreciate the shelter system. For those who choose to stay on the streets, there are organizations to make encampments feel a little bit more like home. After speaking to Phil, we met with a group of volunteers from the Toronto chapter of Food Not Bombs, a movement that popped up in 2016 with the aim to provide food and assistance to low-income people and the homeless population. One volunteer, Eric Corneau, spoke to us about why he decided to join the movement. I, I was talking to a person and they asked, um, do you think you could live out here, like in, in an encampment? And I, I said, I don't know, but honestly, I, 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 I don't think I would be able to, you know, just from the life I've lived and the privileges I've had in my life and where I'm at right now, I don't know if I, I could actually do that. And uh, they told me that um, that's most likely right because they, they had had an apartment for uh, the past 11 or 12 years and ended up losing their job due to COVID. And they were reliant on their mother and then their mother passed. So they weren't able to pay for the rent on, on the place that they were living in and they got evicted. It just, uh, it's one of those reminders. And, and of course it's something that you're always thinking about while you're out there is, is the fact that not a lot of things have to change for, for your life to drastically be impacted by um, forces outside of your own control. And even things that are within your control, you know, they're, they're, it, it only takes a couple of decisions or a couple of events in your life for, for things to go down a different route. And um, it, it can be hard to remember that sometimes. So considering that you started doing this volunteering position like a year ago, have you mm -hmm. seen a change in the encampment community since that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I did direct encampment support back in the winter of last year um, and uh, a big encampment that that doesn't exist anymore was the one over at uh, Trinity Bellwoods. There were multiple different uh, locations uh, around the park and uh, um, a, a lot of folks ended up moving on. Uh, a, a few folks are at different places around the city now. Some people got housing, some people moved out of the city. Um, some some other encampments are starting to pop back up and, and, and grow to similar levels. Like Dufferin Grove is, is getting pretty large now. I know it looks like they had um yeah um, multiple locations around the park. So it's it's getting there, but it'll be interesting to see how things go once it gets colder. When asked about their approach to housing the unhoused, the city of Toronto declined an interview. Instead, providing us an email statement stating that they're taking extraordinary measures to help support those experiencing homelessness. According to them, the City Streets to Homes outreach program engages with individuals living on the streets to offer supports and shelter accommodations. The email also stated that Toronto is home to the largest shelter system in the country, with beds and accommodations for over 6,000 people. But with more Torontonians being left to fend for themselves out in the streets, and makeshift encampments, that number just doesn't seem to offer enough support. Now, when asked about their decision to forcefully remove encampments, the city responded saying that this decision was made with the health and safety concerns of encampment residents in mind. Decisions to remove encampments are made by the city's senior leadership team. And then the statement, the city said that they offered encampment residents access to safe indoor accommodation prior to enforcing an eviction. 
In our time visiting the encampment at the Island Garden Park, we had the pleasure of hearing Phil read out a quote engraved on a plaque behind his tent. Uh, it's not over, it's only just beginning. It's not about revolution, it's about solutions and becoming one, again, uh, it's a new beginning. Um, start your own uh, community, build your own home. Thanks for spending time with us, listening to the unhoused and the unprepared. I'm Katya Gladi. And I'm Tolha Hushmani. We'll see you next time. episode of Unraveled was produced by Taha Hashmani and Katia Galati. I'm your host, FOM Fodro. Our associate producer is Taha Hashmani, and our executive producer is Elena Duluigi. Special thanks to John Powers for composing our theme music, and Ben Shelley for creating our podcast artwork. Our professor is Amanda Capito, And special thanks to Lindsay Hanna and Angela Glover.